us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn. Please join in the conversation or by calling in or using the chat room on the A to Zen website. You can email me anytime at lynn at stepright.ca. I'm here to answer your questions about your financial needs, your retirement income planning, or how to effectively add charitable giving to your financial plan or your estate planning. People often contact me because they're concerned that there might be a key ingredient in the recipe of their financial plan that they're missing, and they're afraid that they might be making a mistake that they're unaware of that might be costing them money. So I offer a free 30-minute telephone consultation to respond to any of those concerns. Uh, that email again is lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T. The title of the show today is The One, Two, Three of Funding Your Vision, and my guest is Quinitha Fraser. Um, Quinitha uh, Fraser's mission statement is Make Purpose Your Priority. Uh, from rural Charleston, South Carolina to the White House, Q has a unique gift and commitment to building communities and people. Her entire life has been enjoyed by helping nonprofits, individuals, and organizations to obtain the resources to fund their vision. It's her goal to raise and manage a social impact fund that provides seed and startup funding for nonprofits and social enterprises across the U.S. Quinitha believes that every person was born with a gift and talent that is essential to the success of our communities. A graduate of the Grantsman Ship Center Institute, Quinitha began her professional career as a White House intern while studying at uh, Tuskegee University, where she discovered her love for public administration finance. Her first experiences in fundraising and grant writing came while serving at Talegdia uh, College's Institutional Advancement Office. This path led her to work with great leaders at local foundations, housing authorities, and grassroots nonprofit agencies. Quinitha obtained her Master's of Business Administration from Webster University and went on to engage in finance, investments, and banking with Wachovia Bank and MetLife Resources. She's a certified economic development finance professional and affordable housing finance professional. A trusted advisor for the nonprofit and corporate giving community, Quinitha is a national trainer, strategist, and speaker whose focus is creating financially sustainable charitable organizations through earned income business models and smart public and private partnerships. While she's helped to raise millions of grant and private dollars on behalf of her clients and partners, Q has earned the distinction in her field <clears throat> due to her firm understanding of the relationship between the nonprofit and the corporate sectors. She's facilitated over 300 workshops for a variety of organizations, including the Tom Joyner Foundation, the Community Outreach Office of Congressman John Lewis, the Foundation Center Atlanta, the Georgia Center for Nonprofits, 
and a variety of faith-based entities. She's the host of the Community of Giving radio show on the Better You Network. Quinitha serves on the House Proud Atlanta City of Atlanta Homeless Continuum of Care Review and Emergency Food and Shelter uh, Board of Directors. And she still has time to chat with us this morning. Welcome, <laughs> Quinitha. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's great. We're really f- looking forward to <clears throat> learning from you <clears throat> today. So, we we want to uh we want all your expertise to uh to be uh given to us in an hour. So, there's no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> we would need an hour for 5 weeks. That's what we would need. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that would yeah, that would be good too. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we've had some shows, Quinitha, where we talked to people and gave them ideas on how to determine what their passion was. Um, right. Today, it's about funding that vision. So, what do we do next good. when we figured out what we, you know, what we feel passionate about, what we want to make, the way we want to make a difference? What do we do next? Well, the first consideration is effectively what do you want to accomplish? So, you know, doing good can be represented in a number of ways. Um, What we most often think about is converting our feel-good idea or our socially good idea into a nonprofit. That's typically what most people think of. However, uh, there are companies, there are um, for-profit companies that are being born that have have a a similar social mission. And so the question becomes, what do I want to accomplish with this goal or vision that I have, both personally and in the marketplace? Who would I eventually want to benefit? And there's no shame in saying I want to benefit the community, but I want to share in some of that benefit financially. And that Mm -hmm. consideration really leads you down the path to determine what the legal entity will be that you'll be operating under. That really is the first consideration what will the legal entity be? And so, again, the legal entity can vary between it being actually a nonprofit organization all the way up to it being a for-profit entity that has a social mission that operates with a profit motive. Uh, the difference between the two, and most people uh, sort of miss this point, is that a nonprofit organization is created to obviously serve a charitable purpose, However, it is expected to make some profit. It is. And and in, in fact, uh, when the IRS created tax-exempt organization, um, it expects that a third of the money, at least a third of the money, can come from earned income. So creating some income that would then be able to profit the organization. The okay. only thing, the thing that distinguishes the nonprofit from a for-profit is where the profit ends up. So the profit of the nonprofit has to be turned back over into the organization, back into the nonprofit organization, versus mm-hmm. a person who says, I'd like to start a for-profit company, and I want it to have a social mission, much like Whole Foods. Most people are familiar with that company. We're going to create a for-profit company that at its essence is serving a social good. So we're going to set up a for-profit entity with a profit motive, but we're going to operate and be guided by these these socially conscious uh, uh, guidelines as well as our goods and services are directly tied to our social mission. So that really is the first consideration. What will my legal entity be? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it it seems that a lot of the traditional ways that 
that organizations raised funds don't seem to work so well anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is the donor different? Is it the commitment in our lives? Is this then? Is this going to be the new model? This, um, uh, you know, the the Social for profit. Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the for profit with a, with a so that's serving the social good. Well, what we found, and the bottom line answer to your question, Lynn, is donors are more sophisticated. They are very clear about what they want, where they'd like to see the impact of their dollar. And so what I'd say is philanthropy has changed from just a feel-good charitable space where people give because it feels good and they really don't ask much questions about where the money ends up. It's moved to a place of people wanting to make an investment in uh, a charitable purpose or some interest that they have where they expect a return on their investment. So the way that we communicate mm. with donors is really what's going to have to change. And for a number of nonprofits, they're not used to operating within the type of the framework that provides metrics and measurements to their impact. We move, we're moving from an input or a process-based organization to really an outcome-based. So it's the homeless person who walks into a homeless shelter and says, I need somewhere to sleep and I need something to eat. And that organization provides them a meal, provides them a bed. And as, in, as, it, as it relates to income inputs and outputs, we did our job, right? We gave them a bed. Mm-hmm. We gave them something to eat. But what we're seeing is donors want to know, okay, if, do you have to feed that homeless person every day for the next year? What are we doing to change the outcome of that person? Meaning, what are we doing to lift that person out of poverty and off of the street? So can this organization provide opportunity to deal with substance abuse issues or maybe there's mental health issues in workforce development? What can we do to, to, to strategically change the outcome of this person so that a year from now the story becomes, you know, we gave them a bed, we gave them food, we also put them in a workforce development project, and we have one less person off of the street, on the street. So it, it, the donor being more sophisticated and wanting that impact is, is making the donor be much more uh, insightful and much more uh, being much much more picky <laughs> with the types right. of organizations that they will fund. Now, to your your question about is the is the model changing to one where there are more for profit entities? And and I, in my professional opinion, are, will say yes. And there are two reasons for that. The first is the nonprofit model at its base bones, the charitable model, we're having trouble sustaining. So the right. charitable base, the charitable model says, I depend on gifts from others in order to sustain my organization. That's good as long as the donors are willing to give. And as we said, they're becoming more sophisticated, so they're becoming a little more discretionary about that. But what we really are seeing is we're seeing a number of, quote, unquote, for-profit or private companies coming in with the efficiency, with the agility, and with the, I call disruptive uh, 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 creativity they're coming into the charitable and social space, and they're they're able to solve these issues with less overhead and with a greater amount of impact because they aren't depending on donors to, to to fund that. And the way that they're doing that, and the way that even some nonprofits are addressing that now, is creating some type of earned income, 
earned income that may not be directly tied to the beneficiary of their services, but more so tied to uh, the person who agrees with them that this is a cause that they want to support. Mm-hmm. So um, if a person does have this kind of a vision, where do they start? They start where you would. If you were opening, I, always, I use the the, uh, uh, the analogy of the lemonade stand. You know, you the, mm-hmm. the, 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 you need to determine two things first. What am I what am I selling, or what am I going to do, and how much does it cost? And then ultimately, the third question is who's going to buy it. So if I'm starting a social enterprise or a company that had whose top whose products and services are directly tied to a social mission, I've got to open that that organization as though I were a lemonade stand. I've got to figure out who I intend to serve. So if it's homeless persons, cool. So I want to provide services for homeless persons. Uh, what what's my product? What am I what am I quote unquote selling? What I'm selling, if it's housing, then that's my product, right? And then who's going to buy it? Who's buying the product? Now remember, homeless people don't have money, so the homeless person is not buying my housing. So then we right. have to figure out who's willing to, who's going to pay for this housing, and that becomes a discussion of how I can create a revenue model around that customer and what is it that they want to see in this housing uh, to be able to fulfill both their financial and their social impact goals. Okay. So, so the first step really is to create a business model. And I, 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 I could have said business plan, but people hear business plan, they think about business school, and they go create a 50-page document. I don't mean that. <laughs> you, can, you should do that okay. if you have the time and it's helpful. But the model is very simple. It's what am I selling, who am I selling it to, and how much does it cost? And once you get those baseline questions answered, then it, then you roll into, okay, how do I market it to the to this person? What are the best ways to position it? And, and ultimately, what I'm looking for is where is my income going to come from on a month-to-month basis? And I think approaching even a nonprofit model should be taken with the same consideration. The exception to the nonprofit model is now I can say maybe I can get a donation or a grant as, a, as one of the revenue sources. In including earned income, the for-profit company is limited to earned income and investment, social impact mm-hmm. investment. Mm-hmm. Great. It's time for us to go to a break, and we will do that, and uh, we'll we'll ask you for some examples of um, of how this is working uh, when we come mm-hmm. back from break. Great. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. 
we're back. This is Step Right with Lynn. Uh, today we're speaking with Quinitha Frazier. Um, we want to make the most of our time with Quinitha, so um, be sure if you have questions, uh, get into the chat room to ask those questions um, and uh, or or call in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So the topic of the show today is the one, two, three of funding your uh, your vision. Um, Quinitha, we've been talking about this um, this new model, I guess, um, and mm-hmm. maybe it's maybe it's been operating for uh, for a long time. I don't know, but to I think mm-hmm. the the concept is is a bit new to us, um, where we have a business, but it it has a vision for for serving um, social needs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, what would be some examples of uh, of where you've seen this working? Great. Uh, there's one example that will resonate with most of your listeners, uh, just in the way that they hear it all the time and they think about it. Just haven't thought about it in the way of it being a social enterprise. Goodwill. Goodwill is a perfect example. And Goodwill has a social mission of helping to uh, train and develop uh, uh, low-income persons across the U.S. That's what they were born to do. That's what they do, workforce mm-hmm. development and training. But Goodwill figured out that you know, they could open a store, uh, what we call, quote-unquote, a thrift store, where people would bring donations um, and they would be able to then create a retail space that per- people had that have nothing to do with workforce development could come in and spend money that, and that would then help them to create revenue to support their workforce development. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it became they had to take on the burden of, A, operating a program, workforce development, but creating a way to fund that by operating a retail store. There's another really good example of that. Um, down in Atlanta, there's an organization called Open, the Open Hand Project. Uh, when that organization was started, it was started uh, under the uh, mission of helping persons with chronic illnesses to have access to healthy food. So there were gentlemen who had a friend or knew of a, a person who was suffering from the HIV virus, and he, want, he and his friends found that this person didn't have access to healthy food and he wanted to play a part in making sure that they had that care. And mm-hmm. so they started out just cooking these meals, getting it to the persons that needed it, getting these healthy meals, at, you know, asking, figuring out what type of meals would be best for their healing and getting out to them. Well, more than 10 years later, Open Hand Project has grown to a huge nonprofit who does who does more of that, who does uh, who still, whose mission is still to help to provide persons with chronic illnesses access to food. But what they figured out is, you know what, we would be able to do more around that mission if we had a sustainable revenue model, some earned income to do that. Because guess what? People who don't have chronic illnesses like to have healthy food. So they created a company called Good Measure Meals. And Good Measure Meals is a door-to-door food delivery services, healthy food delivery services, where all the meals are prepared by certified dietitians and nutritionists who help to provide healthy meals to the doorsteps of hundreds of thousands of people in Atlanta. And they're able to make a very significant amount of revenue by selling those meals. And the funding from that, those meals, good measure meals, then supports that mission. So that's really hard work. Now, on the, on the true pure for-profit side, of a company who says, you know, I'm opening this for-profit company, but I want to serve a social good. There's a, 
an organic grocer called Boxcar Grocer uh, that we know of, who was a client of ours, and their entire mission was to to solve the problem of food deserts in urban areas. And so they said, you know what, we want to open a grocery store in an area that typically wouldn't have access to organic and healthy foods. So they chose a a very, very um, distressed, underserved area in downtown Atlanta and opened up this super, I call it super healthy, super organic uh, grocery store in the middle of this place that, typically only had access to, you know, to the general, you know, grocery corner mm-hmm. store types of foods. And what they found was they were able to sell groceries, obviously as a business, but they carried on a program of education alongside of that, mm-hmm. educating the residents around what healthy living and healthy eating. They did yoga classes. They had wow. supper club just to get the residents involved in, A, you know, having – food security, knowing that they can come there and get a fresh, get some fresh produce. Uh, but more than that, understanding the lifestyle that, that's associated with healthy living. So mm-hmm. while they are a true, true, true for-profit entity, as you can see, their product and their service is directly tied to their social mission. Because if they stopped doing healthy food, they wouldn't exist. And that's really at the essence of what a social enterprise is. So I, I hope that those examples helped a little bit but I know mm-hmm. a lot of people think of some companies, I mean, there are uh, renewable energy companies, there are affordable housing development companies, there are um, a number of education curriculum companies, there are for-profit entities. And if you think about it, your hospital is probably a social enterprise, a for-profit that has some type of social or nonprofit entity tied to it. So we see them all the time, but, you know, you sort of dismiss them as, oh, you know, but that that's really what they're doing at, at, at the essence. Right, right. In the case mm-hmm. of, of the grocer, um, when you would initially think about that concept, you would think that possibly the people in that neighborhood where they moved in wouldn't have the um, wouldn't have the financial uh, right. means to buy this this good product. Right, right, uh, and that's a great point because that was one of the considerations we had with their financial model is how we support. Uh, the exorbitant cost, because really in that type of market, it really is a, a there's a whole there's a benefit of buying bulk of of of, of grocery, grocery items, obviously. And mm. if we don't buy enough of it, then obviously the prices are sky high. What we found is tying into the state SNAP program or food stamp program was key to their success. So they okay. went through the process and were able to get EBT collected at their store which made a huge difference. And then on top of that, there's another program in the state of Georgia that allows for um, any fresh open market to also receive double the amount of, of, of payment on their food stamps if a person who has food stamps buys, purchases fresh food from an wow, open market. So they had an open market there for some time. Yeah, so yeah. there's some really cool ways of, of serving a social mission because there's lots yeah. of what's called community development dollars hanging out there. Yeah, there is, there's an understanding of the whole um, situation there, though, and there's been some cooperation regarding the, the food stamps, too you know, mm-hmm. that that's helping to make that work. So that that's an mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. example. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, maybe there's, 
you know, there's some education, I think, that's that's needed, and I guess that's what we're trying to do today, too. But um, I, I can remember just this past week, an email came in, you know, listing, um, you know, some, some non-profits and, you know, what the CEOs made, and, and, um, and, and Goodwill was listed there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is a for-profit company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right mm-hmm. and so so the the good that they were that they're doing was um you know in this email right like you have, you take all of that stuff with a grain of salt because obviously you haven't done your research on any of what you're getting right, but right, but right, I do recall right. seeing goodwill there and saying oh it's a for profit <laughs> oh like they're a bad they're thing <laughs> right i mean whether they're for profit or non profit they should be profitable I mean, and yeah. as I said, it's just a matter of where yeah. the profits end up. And they're not putting all the profits in the CEO's pocket. I mean, clearly they're bored. There's a board of, of governors who ensures that that doesn't happen, much yeah. like the shareholders of a for-profit company are the watchdogs for a for-profit company. So, yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of discussion around, oh, these nonprofit CEOs. There's a huge article last year on the CEO of the American Cancer uh, uh, Association of the American mm-hmm. Society, ACS, and around how much money the CEO made. Well, again, you know, the company, I mean, the company meaning the nonprofit in and of itself, its annual revenues could support that, and, and the mm-hmm. work detail could. I think donors and some donors that are more discretion, discretionary would understand in discussion that your, your dollars are not going to fund the CEO. In most cases, it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially those that have an earned income model. Overhead usually can't even be captured by grants. Overhead usually has to right. be captured by individual gifts. In a, lar- in, a, in a lot of situations, donors, they're donors that step up and carry that cost. So yeah. it's just a matter and, of, but, you know, and they're all, mm-hmm, go ahead. Um, yeah, and I think that's, I think it, it does speak to, you know, we say that the, the donor is becoming more sophisticated. Um but there still is a lot, you know, a lot of teaching to be done as Absolutely. as far as some of those, um, you know, some of those issues. Wh- where does the money Absolutely. come from that, um, you know, in the case of our hospitals? Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, what is what mm-hmm. is funded by which dollars? I think, um, mm-hmm. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's some misconceptions there too. Um, so while we're talking about misconceptions, what other misconceptions do you see? out there on the well that grants are free money i get that a lot um (laughs) most people when they start a business the first thing they want to look for is a grant and 95 percent of all grants award are awarded to non-profit entities so again non-profit model i told you where the profit has to be reinvested back into the, the organization um and even those non-profits who are eligible who could actually apply for a grant uh, most people see a grant as the windfall way to get your business or your nonprofit off the ground, and actually it shouldn't be that way at all. Um, you don't ever want to, just as a rule of thumb, depend on a grant award because grant awards are, tra- are are transient. I mean, you can get it this year or get it for four years, and then it goes away. Um, both a nonprofit and a for-profit with a social mission really has to cre- really need to think. Uh, strategically about a revenue model that can sustain itself over time. And that's where, and that's why, in my opinion, uh, earned income really is a way to be able to do that and have that, that conversation early on so that if a grant comes in and out, if I have program service income, for instance, if it's an adult daycare uh, in a very 
can you, let's say it's in a high poverty area, an adult daycare, and we say, you know what, no one in this community can afford to pay anything to come to this adult daycare. Well, maybe that's true. But are people outside of that neighborhood willing to come, and can they pay? So I mm-hmm. often uh, advise people to create a sliding scale. You know, some people can pay, but some people can but if I can create just one line of income around fees associated, then that's one sustainable source of income so that, yeah, I make it grants. And then we look at Medicaid and Medicare. Can I build some some agency? Can I do some type of contractual work that's more sustainable? Mm-hmm. And in the case of adult daycare, if there are persons with disabilities, yes, you can build against Medicaid. So, again, uh, it's it's taking a much more entrepreneurial or enterprise-minded look at how we can solve social issues. And it, it's my opinion that all of us are going to be, the, the, the tides are turning. We're going to all be pushed in that direction because, the, again, donors are changing the way that they interact with us. They're changing the way that they expect return on their investment. So we've got to be able to find other ways, in addition to their gifts, their, their gracious gifts, find other ways to, to be self-sufficient. Mhm. Mhm. Well, it it absolutely makes sense that that um you know that the, if the if the organization has some revenue coming in uh and is not totally dependent on um yeah, I can so totally see the idea mm-hmm. with with mm-hmm. the grants from some of the boards I've been on. Um mm-hmm. you get um you know, you do get you know, a year where everything is is fine, and and certainly those things you don't always get them, right? Because right, they're right, right. they're looking at other mm-hmm. looking at other organizations in another year. So it's time for us to take another break, which we will do, and um, we will have a question, I believe, from a caller when we come back. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Uh, today we're discussing a business model um, for um, for dealing with social issues. Uh, my guest is Quinitha Frazier. We're really enjoying uh, chatting with her today. Um, so when we take a look at, um, you know, we mentioned that there are organizations out there that that are struggling. Um, what's it going to take to to kind of get them to um, to embrace this this new new vision? 
unfortunately, what's helping a lot of them to embrace is this, you know, the struggle. The the I think 2008 uh, through uh, 2011 has been the worst investing for the industry because a lot of nonprofits figured out that we can't go to bed at night and rest assured that corporations and individuals will be there forever. Because um, <clears throat> an economic downturn, that, that doesn't happen. So I think um, the pressure of it all will help. But um, in addition, I think our boards, and you mentioned being on a board, serving on a board earlier, our, our board of directors, typically they run companies. I mean, they're corporate persons. They are persons who are either own companies or are managing companies. And they understand what it takes to have a successful business. And I think that having the nudge and the leadership from a board who understands what it takes to run a successful business can translate into creating a strategy to create a successful social business <laughs> in mm-hmm. the both the nonprofit and the for-profit space. So I think our boards can help drive that because to most nonprofit executive directors' credit, most of them have been in the nonprofit sector most of their career. And that's not that's that's not a blanket statement because there are lots of smart uh CEOs and executive mm-hmm. directors who have done other things, but what we found is a lot of the upper management in those organizations, that's what they do. That's what they've done. I mean, I've been in the industry almost 16 years. I took six years off and went into the for-profit entity, but, and I've run companies, but in most times you don't find that. <laughs> most times they've mm-hmm. been in that, and and because that is that, that sort of encapsules your um, your your openness or your understanding of a, a true entrepreneurial way of, of addressing social issues. So yeah, the board can help to drive that. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we have people who, um, you know, are interested in creating this strategy, what do they do to create that strategy? Are there certain questions that they can ask? How do they find the opportunity within their organization to? Um, what's What's the brainstorming like to do this? The brainstorming would happen in the way of, I would say, you've got to have at least three to four hours to brainstorm something like this through, but ideally it'd be a, a board retreat. Uh, <clears throat> your key volunteers, your um, leadership of staff, and your board is who has this conversation, if it's a if, if it's a, an existing nonprofit. Um, and that, that brainstorming really comes back to the lemonade stand. What are we doing? Uh, right. What are we selling? <clears throat> what do you know? Who wants want to buy it? And what you know? And, and how much does it cost? I mean, that's really it's, it. Sounds trivial, and I'm probably making light of it, but that's really the course of the conversation. I mean, when I facilitate board retreat, that's where we go to. Like, okay, so what are we doing again? I know we have this mission, but okay, so how much does it cost to do this mission? Right. And if we say it costs this, but we're relying on somebody else to give us that, that's that's the wrong way. What can we do? Um, what can we quote unquote sell? <clears throat> We're not selling, but obviously, what can we position in the way of program services uh, or service delivery that we can monetize, <laughs> that we can right. uh, we can attract funding from somewhere else, investment from somewhere else? What is it? And, and the organizations that are getting it, that are using these funky, non-traditional models, are the ones that are growing exponentially. Better World Books is a great example same thing, you know, Better World Books started, you know, their whole their whole mission was to solve, uh, to, to uh, uh, create an organization that supported literacy. And they, okay. want more, they want more Americans to be literate. So, you know, they asked for book donations. Well, book donations are cool, but book donations don't pay salaries. So 
Right. Someone, I don't know who it was, figured out, well, you know what, I guess we could sell. We have like 80,000 books sitting in a warehouse. What can we do with these books? Well, let's sell them. Let's put them back out in the, in, in the Internet uh, retail space and see if people will give us two bucks for a book that typically costs 80 bucks. And they did. Right. And so Better World Books is one of the largest online re- brown book retailers in the country, and it's all for a social purpose. They still, that's still their mission. They support literacy programs. So, you know, it, it's, it's the real, and then the bottom line to having that discussion is how open the organization and founder will be. Because that's really, I mean, because if this were a, a conversation in a startup incubator or accelerator, there'd be no limits to what they'd be willing to do to be able to attract that customer, to be able to um, to create a product that people actually want to use. They call it in a book called The Lean Startup, they call it the most viable product. <laughs> so it's like okay. we're creating a toaster for people that don't eat toast. <laughs> and a lot of our nonprofits are, yeah, they're creating programs for people who can't pay for them, which is fine, right. but then they're not creating a, a, a program for some, that someone else would want to fund or pay for. So, right. you know, so it's really... Mm-hmm. So if their if their program is going to be sustainable, they have to find this. Oh yeah, they have, have to. to. Yeah, yeah. I I really them. like the uh, the the Better World Books idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into mm-hmm. that. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never I've not yeah, heard yeah. of that before. That's terrific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they oh, yeah. I wonder if they ship to Canada or not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they probably do because um, I know Amazon is one of their. Um, I know they work in conjunction with Amazon. That's one of their. Um, uh, like for some of the so use. Mm-hmm, yeah, so I'm yeah. sure they do. Okay. Yeah, there, and there are large numbers of great examples. I mean, more than we'd have time to talk about an hour, but. Uh, man, there's some farms out in, in South Dakota. I know of one that's in Oregon. You know, uh, there was a large um, Native American population who were suffering in poverty. And, you know, it comes down to what can we do? And, man, they created, got they got the land donated. They created this awesome uh, organic farm. And the workers worked the land, created this produce. They found a distribution line sell it. They ended up doing recycled goods on the land. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, wow. but they someone had to have their mind open to yeah. think of, uh, you know, well, let's just put them to work because most people think it's nonprofit. Let's just make sure they have something to eat, you know. Let's make sure they have something. Just find a way for them to go to work. Well, why can they not own a part of this, this farm, and, you know, and mm-hmm. why can they not mm-hmm. earn income from this farm in a way that supports both them and the community and a business, you know, so it's, yeah. I think it's called so, a Holyoke so it's, Farm, actually, Holyoke. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so that 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 um, re- reminds me of the teach a man to fish, right? Exactly. You know, you're, you're providing, you're not just giving him a meal for today, but you're, exactly. um, you're creating something that will... Uh, I mean, there's there's so many implications, though. Um, right, right, right. You know, right, the, right. Because the self-esteem and the, uh, you know, and and that's true of of several of the, um, you know, the models that that you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the um, uh, the good food in that in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? There's so many mm-hmm. things that exactly. that is leading to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. can Absolutely. that really could. Um, you know that really could bring the whole neighborhood out of the situation they're in. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, with, with, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. With the education and so, um, oh yeah. So, 
since we know that we have some education to do, how mm-hmm. um, how does how should people communicate the vision of their organization and the impact? Um, how do they go about, you know, really communicating that to uh, to get the support that they need? Well, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a, a firm believer in bullet points, <laughs> yes. uh-huh. and I okay. I say that because um, I don't want to put pressure on people to feel as though they've got to write a a two page or I mean a twenty page dissertation. Really, um, it, you know, we set goals for our personal budgets. We set goals for our companies. It's the same thing, but we want to set some what we call objectives, measurable goals uh, towards the. Uh, towards how this program is going to make an impact in the community. For instance, I want to talk about my inputs. I want to be able to describe how many hours, how many units, and how many um, numbers of people that I need to use in order to make these number of outputs, which means number of hours of instruction, number of children I'm going to teach, and number of communities I'm going to touch by some milestone, by this date, that date, and another. Those three mm-hmm. things, input, outputs, and milestones, are the one side. You can do that in five bullet points, but then the next line should really be, and here is the change of behavior that will be experienced in these children. Here's the change of the landscape of the community because these children are now educated and not on the street. So it's that type of conversation that any person can look at and say, oh, so when I give you a dollar to pay for these inputs, you're going to make this output, but ultimately you're going to change the fabric of my community over two, over 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in that just process thinking, and there's a great resource. Uh, Kellogg came up with a logic model. And, and it, it, to be honest, it's, it's a little intimidating when you look at it at first, but there's some great watered-down versions of it. I would I would suggest any person thinking of rolling out a new program, um, a social enterprise, would start you know think through with the logic model because it helps you think through that. What are my inputs? What are my outputs? What are my milestones? Or you know what are my you know, actual activities going to look like? And then what's the outcomes? Like you know what, what's going to be the change at the end? Um, and there are some great I have some great little um, beginner checklist on my website, uh, thecubebrain.com, just that will help someone to start the conversation within their mind. Like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. Uh, am I ready? Because do I have these things in line? That kind of thing. But it, it's 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 work. It, I, I can't mm-hmm. say another way. And you've got to do the work. <laughs> but when it's time to have the conversation or communicate, it's not a lot of information. It's just the information that they want to see, and that's inputs, outputs, uh, milestones, and then outcomes. And obviously all of that undergirded by how much does it cost? Again, lemonade. So what does it cost us <laughs> to get this outcome? Mm-hmm. You know, Do yeah. I need $50,000 for this program? Do I need 10000 just to get the business off the ground and buy the, to buy the, the little plot of land to grow the fruit? You know, and mm-hmm. can I get everybody else volunteer? Can I get volunteers to to run? You know, to help with the farm, the, in, the inner city farm, the urban farm. So yeah, it's just thinking that through and having someone to help help. You know, like I said, a board chair, someone can help drive that, or if you have the luxury of having a facilitator, that helps. But writing it down is the work. Mm-hmm. Thinking right. it through is the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the the challenges. Um, you know, for a number of organizations is, yes, you may have some measurable goals where you can say, um, you know, uh, this many people were fed and, you know, we're in this many communities or or whatever where you have a number. But there are some goals 
that aren't measurable. Exactly. Right? And, You're right. You're right. And, um, well, yes, you know, we fed this person, but now they are looking at themselves, right? Like mm-hmm. some of those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and, um, you know, so you fed a family, which means, you know, the, the children grew up and, and stayed in school, right? Like right. you did something right. so right. kids right. could stay in school. Right. And, and so, you know, so now they are self-sufficient. Like there's there's a lot right. of things right. that aren't measurable that, um, that becomes a challenge, and um, yeah, it, 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 and you know, and, and to that point, there's been, and I, I want to sound like the geek or the nerd of the conversation in this way, is that um, some of the larger foundations and national and international, um, I call them social scientists, have figured that out, and so they've mm-hmm. created some very specific metrics um, that that align with social impact. Um, one is called um, STAR, S-T-A-R, as a social metric. Um, the Ford Foundation and the Kellogg Foundation have led the way around social impact. They have some very clear. And then for first people who really want to just nerd out on this, <laughs> um, the um, Stanford Social um, Enterprise Review, Social S-S-I-R, Stanford Social Innovation Review, Mm-hmm. The Stanford okay. Social Innovation Review, they have a great uh, resource for those type of things as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to a quick break, and uh, and we'll, we'll want to kind of summarize things after the break. Okay. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Today I'm chatting with Quinitha Frazier. Um, Quinitha, so we don't run out of time at the end, I'd just like you to, uh, you'd mentioned your website uh, and some resources mm-hmm. that were on there. Um, mm-hmm. If you would mention that again, um, and uh, so the website and how people might reach you if they had further questions, if you're willing to, uh, mm-hmm. if you're willing to sure. take any questions from the listeners later on. Sure. Yeah, the website is the Q brand, and that's T H E, the letter Q brand, B R A N D dot com. Um, and on the website, you'll find on the Q brand dot com, you'll find free tools, and there are three um, PDF downloadable uh, uh, worksheets that'll be really helpful. Uh, if someone wishes to contact me, they can contact me by email, and it's just Q Q U E at Q brand dot com. Q U E at the Q brand dot com. 
Mm-hmm. I, I suspect they could Google your name probably, and that would come up oh, as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. If, if, yeah. if they, they have any me. trouble finding mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. that website. Um, because I, I think I found you quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are not a lot of Quinita Frasers in the world, in the whole world. Well, so no, and, you know, I was, I, I was thinking what a beautiful name it was as well. Thank you. And, Thank you so much. And not uh, certainly not common in Ontario. I don't know if it's common in North Carolina <laughs> or not. But <laughs> no, not at all. I don't know. Not I don't know a whole lot of. You're you're the only Quinitha I know. <laughs> yeah, most cases. A friend of a good friend of mine calls me the unicorn. <laughs> He's like, oh, you did you do exist? It's it's really hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> So what are what are the important things on this subject that um that our our listeners should should really be aware of that maybe we haven't covered yet? Well, one of them is, you know, be patient. Uh it's not this is not something that you wake up on Monday and you have accomplished by Friday even if you already have an organization established and you want to sort of make a shift. If you're starting out for the first time, the best thing that you can do is to volunteer first. Go hang out. Uh, at an organization that's doing what, uh, that's either doing what you're planning on doing or similar, hang out there, figure out what they're doing and how they do it. If it's a for-profit company, go hang out with startups. You know, I don't care if it's a tech company or not. You need to understand the creative genius of starting something and creating what I told you is we call a most viable product. Don't create a toaster for people who don't eat bread. If they're gluten-free, they don't need a toaster most time unless they're going to buy gluten-free bread. <laughs> so right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, and you know, again, and I would, I, I can't overemphasize. I don't care what you're starting, if it's even if it's a nonprofit or a for-profit, it's a lemonade stand. <laughs> okay. You know, okay. It, at at yeah, so just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 great, and and I think the other thing about um, you know, there's a lot of biographies on. Um, you know the people that have started some of those organizations as well. Um, yes, there's a great it, and there, yes, there's a great website. I'm sorry, Lynn, that you should to hear lots of great stories of these type companies. Social Enterprise Alliance in the U.S. is the sole house of that. The Social Enterprise Alliance, and I think it's just S E A Alliance dot org. Um, but if you Google okay. Social Enterprise Alliance, you'll find a number of cool stories about these type of companies. Okay, I will be doing that. That's uh, that's that's great advice. Um, I look forward to. Uh, I was thinking about Better World Books, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you could look up some some autobiographies of Better World Books, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that too. Books books are my weakness. <laughs> great, me too, me too. I probably Strength give them all of my money. I don't know, but yeah, I probably give them all um, of my money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and my my family, uh, you know, have been known to not let me know when we're on vacation that there was a bookstore anywhere near where we were. Because <laughs> they know they would lose me. If you have to have a me. problem, yeah, if you have yeah. to have a problem, I say that's a good one to have. <laughs> yeah, I think so. My addi- my addiction uh, doesn't hurt anybody else, I guess. Thank you very much. <laughs> you and the bookworm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Quinita, thanks so much for sharing with us today. Um, very, very great insights for us. Um, Thank you. And, and certainly along the theme of what we're trying to show. So, um, v- very glad to uh, to have you today. 
Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And and certainly wish you the best uh in your work and and uh Thank you. Um and the things. Thank you for sharing with us today and I hope that you accomplish uh, lots today to make up for the time you've taken for us today. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I need that too. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots yes, to I'm accomplish sure. today, so thank you. <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. Well, I, I will. I will send you lots of accomplishing energy today. Then, make sure Thank that you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> that you get lots done. Anyway, um, thanks, Quinitha, and we will. Uh, perhaps we'll talk with you again. I look forward to it. That's great. Um, so right. I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to remind our. Uh, listeners, that uh, we really welcome your comments here at Step Right with Lynn. Um, this is a show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Uh, please send me an email anytime at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Uh, remember, I offer a free 30-minute telephone consultation to answer your questions um, about anything that, um, anything that you're concerned about regarding your finances. I'm interested to hear about what you think about the show, too. I'd like to know what topics you'd like to hear more about, uh, any suggestions you have for guests that have a story to share about their contribution to the community. Uh, so please feel free to contact me. Lynn at stepright.ca. Um, you can find that on the A to Zen website as well. Uh, anyone who sends an email uh, with uh, regarding any of those things will receive a copy of the children's book. Have you filled a bucket today? Uh, I know that you or a child that you know would love this book. Uh, again, we were talking about um, that books are my uh, my passion, uh, one of my passions. Uh, and uh, this is a book that, that you would really enjoy. So this is Lynn Wedham, and the show is Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Bye for now. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on A to Zen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time. Thank you.